Irish Illustrated Insider is sponsored by VisitSouthBend.com. Is it time to check a Notre Dame home game off your bucket list? Has it been too long since you've soaked in the game day atmosphere in person? Whether it's for the first time ever or in a while, start planning your trip to South Bend to watch the Fighting Irish with ideas and inspiration at VisitSouthBend.com. With Tim O'Malley, I'm Tim Priester, and this is Irish Illustrated Insider. It's October 2nd, Tim O'Malley. And Notre Dame's halfway through the season. Whoever would have thought that it would be in a situation like that. But uh, as Notre Dame prepares for Louisville this week, uh, we're here with Irish Illustrated Insider, and we went over the Duke game with Marcus Freeman, uh, did an instant analysis, and now here we are with uh, Irish Illustrated Insider wrapping up Duke and talking a little bit about Louisville. I haven't had a full chance, Tim. To get completely into their uh, into their film, but they they have athletes as usual. They have athletes. I don't think they have a very good quarterback, but uh, we'll talk more about Louisville uh, as we wrap up the 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 Duke game. Notre Dame winning twenty one to fourteen in very dramatic fashion. Yeah, there's a reason you haven't had a great chance to look at Louisville yet. Same reason you didn't have a great chance to look at Duke yet last week. It's because Notre Dame games are coming down to the wire, and we are rehashing, hashing again, analyzing, reanalyzing, and looking at every aspect of these last two games. Imagine the toll it takes on fans and us, and now think of the Notre Dame football team because they go into yet another week. Uh, Much happier note this time, coaching staff, uh, much happier note as well because as much as you got to trust the process, the result was better, but... That was a theme at today's press conference, I thought, by the media. It was one of mine. Physically, at some point, they are going to feel this. Two very, very aggressive defenses and very tough games, six straight Saturdays. It's probably this week. If not, it's the next week. And I wonder how they can pull back in practice and best prepare to have fresh legs for Louisville and then USC down the road. Yeah, I would you know, remind everybody, I think Louisville's played five straight weeks, correct? They played five straight weeks, so they had a. I thought they had a bye, but um, they have a bye. Yep, no, okay. they had a bye. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay, so you're right. It's worse for Notre Dame by a lot if that if that is the case. And you know, reviewing uh, Duke and having gone over the game and written a tale of tape, um, the worst performance by the offensive line, without a doubt, I think coinciding with that was. Um, Jared Parker having difficulty finding things that were working. He was going back to Audric Estime, frequently running the football uh, between the tackles, and that wasn't working very well. So it was a constant struggle. It certainly was a constant struggle for Duke's offense, and I thought Al Golden's defense played really a very, very good game until, of course, the two long drives within a three uh, drive period of time that allowed them to, to jump ahead. But Sam Hartman and the offense end up bailing him out, but I thought, Tim, the defense, by and large, played a really good game against a very dangerous quarterback uh, and an offense that's capable of putting up some points. Yeah, I actually uh, came more came way more impressed with Duke's offense than I thought I was going to going into the game, and you were right, by the way, Louisville has not had a bye. Um, I, I, the receiver tandem, the way they kind of complement the running attack and the way... Riley Leonard compliments the running attack as the focal point of it, but they run hard. Uh, they played hard. It's This is a situation where Notre Dame cannot be at its mental and physical peak every week. It's impossible. Uh, they were for Ohio State. I think Duke was for Notre Dame as well. So it be interesting to see Duke play some more of their good opponents coming up uh, with Florida State and somebody else on the schedule. But yeah, Al Golden's defense, I think people are trying to fire Al Golden, right? 
little recently or after last year that he's supposed to be fired because he didn't do a good job, even though he had one bad game. But now he is he's done really well. So I think he's off the firing. Um, now it's time to fire the offensive coordinator because they against the two best defenses they faced, they were not as good as usual. So all, that's what we got to do. It's just get rid of fire somebody. Um, I always say fire the players because they're the ones that are doing stuff and you're paying them. But I guess you can't fire 85 players or 60 players or whatever. But maybe we'll just compromise. Just fire everybody and start over. Just get just start over with new players, new coaches, and especially freshmen. Because as we know, you got to get those freshmen on the field at wide receiver, especially Tim. You found that out last year, and you found that out in 2020. Yeah, and, and even uh, even even some receivers in their second year aren't ready to to play at a high level. Let me let me jump into the defense first because I thought there were a lot of defensive players that played really well. Javante Jean Baptiste is playing well every week. He is a difference maker for them. I thought Riley Mills had one of his better games. Howard yeah. Cross the third, Howard, yeah, Howard Cross the third was just off the chart great on on Saturday. Uh, Maris Leofau continues to play well. JD Bertrand. I thought J.D. Bertrand missed some run fits uh, against Ohio State. I thought he played much better in this game. You know who didn't play one of his better games is Benjamin Morrison, and maybe he's hit a little bit of a wall here in the season. But I thought that defensive side of the football uh, played really well, really caused, you know, they don't give up points until 41 minutes into the game. Which Yeah, is- it's they had a tough ask because they had to continually respond, and I think – Part of the reason they wore down was because of that. I mean, part of it might be Ohio State game as well, but that that 10-minute possession time in the fourth quarter for Duke was about to turn into a being mad at everybody type of game because Notre Dame really bowed up to make that last stop. I know they let Duke drive down to the 33-yard line, which was at least one first down too many, maybe two. Um, I had a colleague next to me say Notre Dame couldn't run out the last 426 last week and Duke's going to run out the last eight minutes and that's going to look really bad. And that would have been true. It was good that Notre Dame stopped them. Um, but uh, Duke's offense almost did his job. They pinned him. They pinned him back down at the five yard line, four yard line. Tim, that's that's almost doing your job to seal a game the way that game was going on. Uh, yeah, Morrison. I'm glad you brought that up because it. it jogged by memory that they subbed out Cam Hart. And I, I assume it was part of a rotational plan to get Jaden Mickey in. That ended up being a long touchdown drive. They did get Mickey on third down. Some of it was not, it wasn't all to his expense, but that play was at his expense. Cam Hart has just played fantastic football this year. And I found it strange. He was on the sideline with his helmet off, which must've meant he was out for that whole drive. There was a timeout during the drive. He was in the huddle with his helmet off. I thought he must have been hurt, but they came back in the game. They did come back in. You yeah, cannot I, have that be a punitive thing because he lined up offsides. That that had to be a rotational thing. Uh, I just I don't like. Him. I don't it, like the rotational idea there when it's that tight. Well, here's, the, here's the thing, Tim. If you look at it even closer, which I just discovered this morning as I was writing tale of the tape, you know, Nordheim had the football at the end of the third quarter. Then you had the third quarter break. Then you had Nordame running a couple more plays offensively, and then the defense went back out with thirteen forty. You don't send JJ uh, JJB out there. You you have right, right. You have Mickey out there. You have Osafa Mensa. You have Tui Alamaka. I mean, didn't they get enough of a break? Uh, you know, I I don't want to make this. No, so you brought it up during the game. You brought it up during the game. It was this is I, not I, in hindsight. I don't want it as it was happening. I mean, I feel like I'm I'm second guessing person not in the media and and I don't want to be that way it's just that this this drive is too important for Tui Alamaka to be in the game I mean maybe someday he's going to be a good football player but 
you're no, up I, six I, points at that point. And it just seemed like I did say it to you during the game. It's like, yeah. is do you really have to after? I, again, I didn't realize I wasn't even thinking in terms of the break in between quarters. But then when I looked at it, it's like, man, can you really afford to do this at this point of, of the game? And as it turned out, no, they couldn't. Because, although they did put JJB back in at some point, but they kept Mickey out there. And again, I think Mickey is going to be a fine football player too. But now he's not as not good as Cam Hart right now. He's not as good as Cam Hart right, right now. No, he's not. So that was one thing that I certainly second guessed. Um, you know, I, I like I've, I, I'm almost reluctant to talk about Jared Parker because if I say anything in defense of him, then it's like I'm, I don't. I, there's I, you nothing know, about Jared Parker that my, I, I evaluate plays and sequences and what I think works and what I don't. It has nothing to do with liking Jared Parker or disliking Jared Parker or liking Tommy Reese. Or we criticize all these people when we think that they they should be criticized. And look, thirty five points in eight quarters is not enough. I'm just saying we need to look at other factors like the lack of execution, which. I mean, I can point to half a dozen instances where there was nothing wrong with the play call. It was a lack of execution that prevented a, a drive from going or or or, a, or somebody lines up offside or somebody jumps early or there are just so many things involved with the offense. Did Jared Parker call? I mean, Jared Parker called his worst game so far this season. I don't think there's any doubt about that, but I just happen to think that evaluating the grand scheme of it all there are extenuating circumstances behind it other than Jared Parker needs to be fired. Well, that's the problem. It's, I mean, there are, there's extenuating circumstances and, and it was not a great effort by the Notre Dame coaching staff as compared to the Duke coaching staff. And that's, oh, who, they were go- and that's said, who they were going against the Duke coaching staff. Right, However, exactly. like, he said after the game that Notre Dame was out coached that Mike Elko does that to people. If you, uh, if you look at Notre Dame's efficiency stats and I did this all uh, not at my breakfast table, as we like to say, but on an airplane home when I was half asleep, uh, Notre Dame's pass plays they had, I had them for, 10 efficient pass plays. Now, this could be a really efficient pass play, like a 30-yard game, or it could be a 12-yard game when you need one. 23 inefficient. That includes sack. Yeah, that includes sacks um, and things that go wrong. Uh, offensive pass interference is included when you get called for that. That shouldn't happen. And then three that were innocuous. Like if it's third and 22 and you drop it off for nine yards, I don't. I just don't count those things in the stats. Um, and on rush, their rushing was 11 efficient and 15 inefficient. They have not even been close to having poor numbers like this until this game. Ohio State, they're efficient throughout. Um, Now, credit Notre Dame's defense and L. Golden and and the players. Uh, Nine efficient passes for Duke. Unfortunately, about seven of them hit big, about 20 yarders. Uh, 22 inefficient pass snaps for Duke out of 31. So that's that's a quality defense by the Irish. And it did not feel like this, but Duke was just under uh, 16 versus 17 rush efficiency too. So if you're kind of looking at a whole game, the defenses won both sides. The defenses won this both. Yeah. Clearly, the defenses prevailed. It's an under game. We said it'd be an under game. And uh, two field goals and two touchdowns on the road. It is. There's a process, but the results. Two touchdowns and two field goals. You need more than that against Duke, which is a fine defense. But you got to be able to get a third touchdown on the board as no, with Notre Dame's right. offensive and, weapons. And, and, a, and a great time to have done that was, was the middle of the third quarter when um, – Yes, on second and nine, Tobias Merriweather is wide open. There's nobody within five yards of him. The pass is slightly behind him, but but Merriweather just throws his hands at it. Apparently, 
catching the football wasn't really that important. If he does, it's first and goal or thereabouts at the 10 or 9 with a chance to go up 17 to nothing. If the game is 17 to nothing at halftime, we're looking at the we're looking at the entire offensive performance differently because they went went into halftime up 17 nothing as opposed to 10 nothing. There was also Notre Dame on the plus 40 uh with uh, Flores up the seam and Hartman just overshot him. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I mean it, it look it it was a it's actually interesting that Notre Dame won this game when you think the Notre Dame offensive line played its worst game and Sam Hartman did not have a great game. Uh, sad fact, Sam Martin had a poor game until the last drive. You could, yep. if you just, rem- I mean, the last drive counts as Ohio State knows, but Sam Hartman, I think that last drive is why, why his stats look fine, first of all. And of course, he was a heroic player on the drive. Everything about that drive is fantastic from Sam Hartman. But prior to that, he struggled too. Um, well, it's, but you know what, Tim, it's, it's hard to be more than 15 of 30 when you're, when you're yep. two top wideouts, when you're two top wide, not, not Tyree is a slot, you two top wideouts have been targeted 11 times and they catch two passes. And, and your guards are not playing a great game. Your center no. has a, your center has a port, his only, well, he said himself, I had the worst game of my life. I heard him say it. Blake Fisher did not play well. Um, Mitchell Evans was phenomenal again. It's a, it was a tough go of it. Um, and now if now we're going to go to criticize coordinators, I do have a critique of you are getting your butt kicked inside at guard and center by those Duke tackles and the Duke defensive line. You have Jeremiah Love and Jadarian Price. I do think getting outside and changing some Agreed. things up was Agreed. totally necessary. And I'm, I was so surprised they didn't do it, maybe because I thought it would be part of the game plan going in. Now, I did. I, we talked about during the week, do you do some things with Jeremiah Love on the practice field in the slot or things like that? That would be, yes, I would definitely criticize that since you're you're struggling for weapons, man. Yeah. And, and yep. Mitchell Evans is, look, first of all, I want to say Mitchell Evans, I was wrong. I never thought you were that good of an athlete, man. I mean, that what what he's done in the last two weeks against hey, Duke and Ohio State are in the top 10 in total in defenses here. Right they now they play really good defense. Actually, NC State plays really good defense too. Their offense yeah. is awful. But. Right. They're, those are top 10 defenses right now. So uh, but yeah, I I would I thought that you needed look, it did not look like a we talked about this during the game, Tim. It's not it this does not look like an Audric Estime game. Right. It's, it's it, it does ironically. It just, <laughs> right, it yes, even though it ended up becoming that. But it just doesn't look that kind of game. So what are your alternatives? Okay, great. Mitchell Evans is playing great. And I, you know, this is no fluke. What he did the last two weeks is incredible. But can you do something with the running backs now? Uh, you know, to to loosen things up and make it work, and then maybe a little less attention is is placed on your wideouts and those young guys can, can, uh, you know, break free, but Flores started slowly. Merriweather was just pretty much lost the whole game. And then fortunately Flores came hard, came on yeah. strong down the stretch and made really significant plays, three significant plays. He drew an interference, the big play that got him into plus territory. And then of course the two point conversion, which was a lot of Sam Hartman. Hartman was, Hartman was great during that last drive. I think it's kind of difficult. I agree, Tim, that he wasn't at his best overall, but it's really hard to look at the stats and ding him for all of that because he didn't have any whiteouts that were playing efficiently. No, I'm not, but I just like when when you have Jerry Rice and all the time in the world, we say the quarterback was throwing beautiful passes because he had all day. So there's there's part of it. He, they needed a little more out of Sam Hartman, I think, before that last drive. Um, they got everything you could possibly get out of him on the last drive, and that's all that matters. But 
Yeah, I think putting it in perspective, if they didn't, if they weren't called Duke, and if they were called Tennessee, and Notre Dame played the 17th ranked team of the country that had the fourth ranked pass defense, and you saw those defensive tackles attacking Notre Dame, and you would you would appreciate the win a little bit more. Um, maybe Tennessee's an exaggeration. Maybe go in there if I just a little bit. if you're called if you're called uh, yeah yeah if you're you're playing. Wisconsin, you'd be a little bit more impressed by what happened out there. But in reality, Notre Dame faced a good team with a great coach. And uh, they stole one, though. <laughs> I'm not going to say that they just prevailed overall. They they pulled one out no, there, they man. stole one. But, but you know, look, I, I think I said it somewhere along the line here uh, in video or, or on, on paper um, or on website. You know, they Notre Dame should not have won both games. Notre Dame should not have lost both games. They yes. probably should have beaten Ohio State and lost to Duke. I agree. So, so at the end of the two weeks, it all comes out the same in the wash. Although I guess you'd probably you'd rather have a win over Ohio State and an upset loss on the road to Duke, right? I know I don't know a lot of Duke fans. It would be a little <laughs> bit better in my life. Uh, oh, you're talking about real football, yeah? No, that would yeah. be better too, I think. But Notre Dame, uh, yeah, well, yeah, because Duke would be like number eight now <laughs> if they beat Notre Dame, who just beat Ohio State. Right. So it would be just fine. Um, I, I found it ironic, and I don't think I said this or wrote it. I just thought it. Notre Dame was physically superior to Ohio State and lost a game because Ohio State was smarter. Let that sink in for a while. Uh, they were smarter when it mattered the most. That's that, all, I mean, that's all it all matters is when they were smarter right yeah. there. <laughs> well, I mean, you don't you don't you don't throw out 56 minutes of quality play either. That's why, like, I, I mean, I look, I understand there's a bottom line, but my my point I'm leading into like so Jared Parker was really, really good the first four games. And I I know there's going to be a lot of argument, but I but I'm I'm very confident when I say that people in the football industry looked at Notre Dame's game plan against Ohio State and thought I meant smarter in like literal sense. They added better than Notre Dame did. Oh yes, yeah. very true. Uh, <laughs> I kind of took that as basic knowledge no, that you don't have to think about math. a whole yeah. lot, but apparently you do. But they sent their eleventh guy out there. Yeah, it was I, it was a great idea. The Ohio State game plan was the right game plan under the circumstances, but they didn't follow through. And that's why it, it ended up, it, it ended up being a close, closer game than you should have. It should have been if you had followed through with your entries into Ohio state territory, although Ohio state can say that they had their share of entries. In they did. Yeah. Everybody always makes complaint excuses when they lose or right. win, but, but um, I, I think the Duke still. game plan was not great though. Would you agree with that offensive? Uh, yeah, no, yeah. I would, I would agree with right that. One. Yeah. Contributing to that was an offensive line that played very poorly and a receiving core that was subpar. Now they could have done some things more with the running backs, but I, I don't, I, 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 again, I'm not evaluating a person. I'm evaluating a, a game plan and plays that I've watched over and over again. And I don't, I think it's, I just you, think it's a little premature to be firing Jared Parker after well, no, I mean, all the good things that they did in the first four games and the proper game plan that just didn't, they weren't able to, like there's a difference between game plan and execution. The game plan was fine against Ohio State. The execution allowed it to be the type of game that it was. What's interesting is I think you probably, after the Ohio State game, would go in as a coaching staff, an offensive staff, go into the Duke game thinking, all right, we've made We've made some progress here with Spindler and Coogan. That's the best our line has played considering who they went against, obviously. Um, you would think progress could continue against Duke. So that can be part of Audric Estime is going to wear them down eventually. Let's remember to stick with him. This is going to work. We want him to wear them down. And then it didn't work. 
that happens too. And that's where an adjustment has to come in. And that's, that was my main complaint was like, look, it's not there, dude. It's not there. No. And I, and, and in what, in watching the TV version of the game, I, I, you know, Aaron, Aaron Hall was a good number 96. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't go into the game accounted for him. He was really, really good. I liked Oban going into the game. Uh, uh, number 90 is a Walker D one Walker yep. Walker. Um, he was a bear. Oh, he was yeah, their, yeah. their, their D line was really good. And Notre Dame's offensive line finally had a letdown Their Their young guards finally had a letdown. And, and it, I mean, it just, it showed with the way that the game transpired. Yeah. Um, and the goal I think for this Louisville game would be that we are not 100% focused on, uh, the entire final minute as Marcus Freeman has had to be, as I, as I started off incident analysis, like he literally had to talk about Ohio state for half of his press conference on Monday. He had to talk about Duke for half of his press conference on Monday. It's because they're not, you're not playing those complete games that I think it's gonna be hard to play a complete game against Louisville. The situation Notre Dame is in with these two hard fought games in the background. I think it's a tough and with USC on the horizon, I think yeah. it's a tough mental ask. I think it's a tough physical ask. I think Louisville is nowhere near as good as Duke defensively though. So that's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I would definitely agree with that. Although Jalati, uh, their, their defensive end number nine, wait till you see him. He's yeah, the, no, I he's maybe and Marcus Freeman mentioned it today. He might be the best pass rusher they face. I just think, really I think, good. I just think Carter and Franklin, owned the game and it made everybody around them better for Duke too. I thought, I thought they were fantastic in that game. Like it, when you have two tackles playing that well, it just, it, it gives everybody a little bit better shot. And that's why when we're always going through seasons and saying, is this a playoff team? And you say, well, can they generate a pass rush? Well, sure. They'll manufacture a pass rush. Notre Dame. Uh, it's, it's, that's different when you got a manufacturer pass rush. It's easier when it's an organic one. Yeah, Carter. Sorry, I got the name wrong there. But Franklin, uh, uh, Jamie on Franklin. I mean, you're happy for the oh, kid because yeah. he was he was playing possess. It that, look their D line by and large kicked Notre Dame's offensive line's ass. So, yeah. no, they so, didn't. I mean, that's that that's where you are with that. And uh, Jared Parker needs to do a better job, but it's difficult to do a better job when those kind of things are happening up front. Can we move on to Louisville? That's the thing. Are we allowed to move on? Because I don't think so. I looked at these questions, Tim, but we'll, we'll give it a shout. That's what Thursday's for, right? Okay. You want to wait till segment two to do that? I think so. Or you want to address it right now? Okay. We'll wait till segment two. Whether you are attending Notre Dame games in person or watching from home, you have to look the part of an Irish fan. We've partnered with Home Field Apparel to get you looking like a true fan on game days. Home Field is a premium collegiate apparel brand based in Indianapolis. They emphasize their commitment to creating incredibly comfortable, Officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs. Home field designs are super unique because they delve into the archives and history of each school using unique logos, mascots, and iconic moments to create thoughtfully designed apparel. You can find them at homefieldapparel.com where you can see their selection of colleges available. And guess what? Our listeners get 15% off their first order with the discount code Irish Illustrated. It's the perfect apparel. For this football season, so check them out. Coming back, segment two, burning up the boards. If you're coming to a game this season, you have to check out Game Day Your Way, the official tailgate service provider of Notre Dame. Game Day Your Way offers everything you need, including tailgate gear, catering, and even beverage delivery right to your spot. And their Irish Express transportation from Chicago allows you to tailgate while you travel to their all-inclusive party zone in South Bend. 
Let game day deal with all the hassle so you can focus on the fun. For tailgates, tickets, transportation, and more, visit gamedayyourway.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Some things are just made for each other, like tailgates and touchdowns. We're adding one more pair to the list, Aer Lingus and college football. Join us in Dublin this August for the Aer Lingus College Football Classic. Too soon? Plan your winter or spring break now with non-stop flights from cities including Chicago, Boston, Los Angeles and New York. Fly in comfort to Dublin, our European hub. Go coast to coast and discover the sights of Ireland or explore any of the 50 plus European cities we connect to, including Amsterdam, London, Paris and Rome. Visit Aerlingus.com to book today. Welcome back to segment two, my favorite segment of all segments. Burning up the boards. First question is a combo from Dave83ND. How did Duke's defensive line rank in the preseason article? that measures the strengths of opponents. That's Priester's article. And then from one of the announced scouts, 58-33-77-3, what was Duke doing to create problems for our run game? Uh, I'm, well, I'm glad the question was asked because I didn't remember where I had Duke, so I went back and looked it up. And said a little prayer, right? You said a little prayer first. I, 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 yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I hope <laughs> that I would have been accurate on this. Uh, let, let me count down from seven to one. I had USC seventh, Notre Dame sixth, Pittsburgh fifth, NC State fourth. I had Duke third with Clemson one and Ohio State second. So, I mean, I like I think by the time I got to the preview of Duke, I, 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 I wasn't quite as caught up in how good I thought Duke was. You <laughs> in know, the preseason, during, yeah. So, yeah, during yeah. the summer. But I mean, obviously, I knew I knew those players, and I didn't think Jamie on Franklin would play that well. Uh, Aaron Aaron Hall was a guy that really, really gave Nordame's interior offensive line trouble. Uh, so, so it was a good defensive line, and they lived up to it. Um, and what was Duke doing to create problems? They were outplaying Nordame's offensive line. It's just as simple as that. They were they were winning at the point of attack. Nordame's interior offensive line wasn't getting pushed. And the only guy that played really worth a damn was Joe Alt. And I know one time he was beaten badly too. He was the only one that really played quality football up front for Notre Dame. We were told um, that Notre Dame's coaches felt the offensive line did not play well either. Um, I mean, and now as fans, when you watch that game, you can think to yourself, hey, I was right because they did not play well. I think a lot of fans watching that game realized Notre Dame's line didn't play great. When you don't play great on the line against a team like that, you're going to struggle in the run game, um, and as I said, I felt like there were some adjustments that could be there with the outside with Jeremiah Love. You know, there was that one, was it a nine-year gain or a 10-year gain for Love, where it wasn't me that pointed out, but one of our colleagues next to me said, if Carell would have gotten out there a half second sooner like he's supposed to and contacted, that's a big crease coming for Jeremiah Love. That happens during games, and coaches will lament that forever. And when they say there's things to clean up, and we think, well, there must be 87 things to clean up, in reality, sometimes they think, well, we were supposed to have a 45-yard run on this play, and that maybe that would have had some more outside zone coming. Yeah. You know, it. Uh, I mean, you hate, to, you hate to admit it or you hate to see it, but there are games where they just, I mean, every player, every unit, especially in football, 
I mean, especially in football, I guess baseball too, is a hitter, you know, those kind of things It's apples and oranges, but I would, I would think that there's a good chance that Joe Rudolph has the offensive line playing much better football as a bounce back this weekend. Right. I mean, that's, yeah. No, I, I, yeah, I, I don't feel like the offensive line is in trouble or anything like that. I just, no, they, no, no, but they didn't play very well. They no, just, and you know what, Tim? I thought the offensive line was in trouble as you're watching the game, too. We're like, oh, man. Oh, yeah. No, no this doubt. Is problem. This is not getting better tonight. That's kind of how I felt about that. This, this game's not getting better. Now, they protected Hartman when they got to plus territory on the final drive. Yes, they did. They did not do a great job when he was in the end zone. <laughs> he got out of trouble. Oh, man. You know, I was on the field by then, and a lot of, I was on the opposite end. So a lot of what was happening down there early in the drive, I didn't get a real a good vision of it. I know the scoreboard, the board's over there, and I can check that out. But you kind of want to see it live, what happens on the field. And I didn't, <laughs> I did not realize how much duress Hartman was in on the second, Ooh. on I guess the first actual snap because it was a false start to you know, to begin with. But uh, yeah, I look, Deuce got a defensive, a good defensive line. Nordain didn't play well. Question from Nick. 2014 do you attribute the offensive struggles during the middle 55 minutes more to duke's coaches out scheming notre dame's coaches or duke's players outplaying notre dame's players well i think both i start with outplaying notre dame's players because going into the game um i don't think anybody wanted to hear this and i no one said a word to me about it i said that duke's corners and nickel are better than notre dame's wide receivers and that makes people mad because notre dame's receivers have four stars and everybody likes their names but Duke's corners and nickels are better than Notre Dame's wide receivers that were going to be in that game. And that would include Jaden Greathouse, the true freshman at the time, not Jaden Greathouse, the junior, not saying these guys are going pro on the field. Those guys are going to be better than Notre Dame's and they maintain that advantage. And then Duke's inside guys won too. So you have the corners and the nickels and the safeties playing better than the receivers. And you have the interior playing better than Notre Dame's interior. There's not a lot of room here all of a sudden to improve upon. And then Mitchell Evans was the guy that did it. Mitchell Evans was better than the Duke guys. Yes. Also, yes. Did Mike Elko get out schemed because Mitchell Evans was better than the guys guarding him? Did he mess up the scheme on Mitchell Evans? No, but you know what? He did rush three on fourth and 16. No one should ever do it. <laughs> is Duke Nation up in arms because Elko Santucci rushed three? I mean, they may be. I, I'm not, I don't have a finger on the pulse of the Duke fans, but. Uh, As I said, you don't know any of them, so it's much better. Yeah, no, no, I don't. Look, I, I don't think L. Golden was out-schemed, although I do think that Duke made, you know, it was not until the 11-minute mark of the second quarter, I said it to you during the game, that is, that's Riley Leonard's first design run. They were yeah. 19 minutes into the game before they did that. Now, when they did that, they also kind of launched their running backs, and actually it was number nine, uh, Jacquez, was it more? More. Yep. Jack was more that that launched them, but then then Jordan Waters got involved, and then uh, now you have Riley Leonard running, and that's when they started they to were. make some inroads because they have good coaches too and some good players, and they had some success. They were uh, a determined little team, weren't they? Yeah, but <laughs> it's getting rather annoying. <laughs> you know, I think I think Notre Dame's offense was outplayed and outschemed. I, I agree, but yeah. I, I think you got to say outplayed is part of it. I mean, outplayed is a huge part of it. Absolutely. I, and I, I, on the edges, they face better football players in college right now. If they went yeah. to go play the Duke guys again, Tobias Merriweather, Chris Tyree, Enrico Flores will not have a good game if those guys are playing for Louisville. Right. I agree. ND1012, 
What is your report card on the three coordinators halfway through the season? I was trying to do this for really about two, but I thought I'd, th- I thought I'd throw in Marty Biagi. I was trying to do this for uh, Monday Musings, actually, so I guess I'll be walking over that one. But um, I think Al Golden has done a fantastic job. Three games where they possibly could have lost, plus the tricky game in Navy. Um, I think Jared Parker had one of the best adjustment games he'll ever have with NC State, considering there were six three and outs and six touchdown drives. I can't stop harping on that. I loved or liked what they did against Ohio State, and I had issues with the kind of the obstinate stubbornness of the Duke game plan. I don't really count Central Michigan and Tennessee State in this thing. So I would say. What's that? A B? What I just described the three games? You can add Navy. Yeah, you could add Navy a little bit. Um, so it's an A minus defense, B offense, and special teams. Well, he doesn't kick. He well, doesn't I, yeah, kick I, I, have, I have a hard time holding. I do too. I have a tough one. All right, let's think of it this way. He has a background in kicking, so. Yeah, but he yeah, but he has a bad that like they have bad return teams, but I don't. All right, so they have bad return teams. They have the call of the year so far with the fake punt. I mean, he's that's still just with poor kicking. Punting's been fine. You know what? Bad return teams. I mean, that's a that's a C plus situation because you can't have you can't have teams ranked in the nineties and the hundreds after six games and say that they're doing well in the return game. Yeah. The if thing he, is, it's so minuscule. Like the punt returner gets six yards. We had Notre Dame averages six yards a game or six yards per return. And it's like 90th. I'm, I'm actually estimating right here. It's 6.3 and 90th, let's say. But like 8.5, two more yards per return, which nobody would ever notice, would put them like 40th. It's just a weird game nowadays. But they have to be, I mean, they have to be better in the return game. They don't have a return game. So they have to be better in the return game. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I, I get you, you have, I guess you have to, if you're going to give a grade to special teams, you have I to just assumed it had to be a grade. So, right. So I'll say C minus there. Um, that you know, fake punt won the game. game. Yeah. It did. The fake punt yeah. won the game. Well, you know, and the, and the defense allowed the offense to only need to score one touchdown in the second half to win, you know? Yeah. I mean, they threw it. it took 41 minutes before Duke scored. So the defense played, well, that second touchdown oh, well, theory really well, came into play today. Right? Well, and I and I was just like the the whole time you and I were talking about that because it would you have to score the second touchdown here. You have to, and they didn't. Yeah, Ooh. they had to. I would say A minus uh for the defense. Again, I I I can't judge Jared Parker based upon a quarter. I, I have to Judge. What did I what did I say for defense? It has to be A minus. He put 10 guys out in the field in the game. So I didn't say A, did I? I assume I said A minus. Oh, you said right? you said A minus. Okay, yeah. good. I mean, if you want to Ohio State probably score. I I look, I don't know how to factor that in exactly. I'm just talking overall. Um part of Jared Parker's DNA as an offensive coordinator includes the first four games. It includes the game plan that football people believe was a, a really good game plan against Ohio State. I think NC State's more important than two of those games, though. Like, the 45 points that he managed to, like, whatever yeah, just, whatever happened against Central Michigan and stuff, right. that's, that's yeah, like getting yeah, your team ready to play. As you mentioned, the adjustment against NC State, considering the crowd and the situation, the way they started, was really, really good. So I would I would have Jared Parker in the, at worst, a B. Um, 
And if his players had played better against Duke, uh, it would probably probably be B plus. Uh, I. You that's know, why grades are that's why grades are subjective. Yeah, grades are tough. That's why I'm glad I passed that on to you this year because there's no way you can get in agreement with it because it's it's so subjective. There's so many moving parts to it. I had the most agreement um so far. Yeah, this, you did. I saw that. And this that's week. which means you did a you did a real what you did was you did a great job of explaining. Well, it means people read the explanation, I would hope too, though. And you need to you need to read the explanation. Yeah. From Club Fred 90, has any Notre Dame team ever needed a bye week at the halfway point of the season as much as this team? How much control does Notre Dame have over scheduling their bye weeks? And Tim Priester and I talked with about five media members on our long walk out of the press conference today about sentence number one. Yeah, they need it. They need it really badly. And I'm sure there's a bunch of other teams that that do too. Notre Dame has that extra game, which means you started, you know, practice a week early as well. And you're in Dublin. You were in Dublin. Uh, you, just, you just had you're you're, you're in, a, in the midst of a string of of night games. Yeah, it's difficult, but that's where they are. And yes, they need it. And how much control do they have? They have less control than conference members. They just do because conferences, you know, if you're a member of a conference, they're trying to work out a, a, a an equitable spacing of, <laughs> of opponents. But Notre Dame has to then work with the ACC and getting those games scheduled. And then the non-ACC games, you have control up to a point. And I think that has been expressed in this season more than any because they need a bye week very badly. Yes. Um, this would be the perfect time. We joke every single year about, did the bye week come at a perfect time? Well, it did not this year. The bye week came at a poor time. In fact, Pre, just for people to think about this, if you want to complain about 13 days from now, or I'm sorry, seven days from now, uh, midterms right before USC. So, bang, great job there, guys. That's just beautiful. That would have, and and again, I, I you know that Notre Dame knows the schedule about midterms. Yeah. But I, I, their their hands have to be tied to some degree because. They don't have an affiliation. Is that enough reason to join a conference? <laughs> no, probably not. I don't <laughs> yeah. think so. Not for Notre Dame, that's for Make sure. They the Pac-3. They have to, if they're during the Pac-3, they got to travel to Oregon yeah. and Washington State. Yeah. All the time. Question from Piper to Irish. Can we talk about this defense giving up an average of 12.5 points per game through six games? Also want to sprinkle in some Mitchell Evans respect on this one. And, of course, Hartman the Dartman. Yeah, the defense has uh, played well. The defense played well last year, too. I uh, want to go back to one thing we said in August. Not sure you agreed. I think you might have agreed with me. I don't think Pete did. I'm going to call Pete and ask him this one. Said the defensive line might play better this year than last year. I think they're playing better this year than last year. Uh, I think without they are. The sacks, and without I, the sacks. And I, yeah, no, I, I, I felt that way. But, of course, I think we were still concerned about the interior defensive line, which is, yep. you know. I mean, I think a lot of people took Howard Cross the third going into this season for granted. Like not you oh, and Eddie Davis. No, no, but I mean, <laughs> and oh my God, his performance on Saturday was just. Uh, imagine how, imagine how uh, Duke's interior offensive line graded <laughs> with the havoc that he <laughs> was making. You know, again, we never think about the other side, but Riley Mills had a good. You know, they had a really good scheme, and this was really explained well by Kirk Herbstreit about. 
They were help. missing a starting left tackle, by the way, Duke. We yeah. never talk about that either. Oh, the receivers were missing. Jane Greathouse, their starting left tackle wasn't in the game for Duke. That matters a little. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. But they adjusted as the game yeah. went on and they got better, uh, you know, with their scheme. So, look, Duke has a good coaching staff. Uh, Notre Dame is, did a good job of keeping up with them. But, but really, over the course of the game, I mean, I would give an edge to Mike Elko. Mike Elko is going to be a Duke for another minute or two, and that's he's going to be a big-time coach somewhere else. Um, Go ahead, Tim. Well, Mitchell Evans. I mean, Mitchell Evans. Oh, is, yeah. I, we can talk about Mitchell Evans in the same light that we're talking about Howard Cross. He's He's been fantastic. And, again, I want to reiterate that I did not think that he could make the athletic plays that he's made in the last two weeks. He's not Michael Mayer, but he – in the last two games, he has played Michael Mayer-like. There's no doubt about that. I don't know if it was Tyler James or Douglas Farmer that said it first. They both take credit, but uh, he is not Michael Mayer, but he is Mitchell Mayer, as they said, when he was making all those plays out there. Because... <laughs> in, in another, another, it wasn't a one-handed catch, but he clearly tipped the football to himself. It's, it's like, I'm going to put my hand up so I, I can't catch it, but I'm going to put my hand up so I can tip it to myself. The best part of the play, if you guys did not hear his post game, was he did not know if he tipped it to himself or if somebody else tipped <laughs> it. He just ca- he just catches balls and keeps running and bundling fools all over the place. That's Mitchell Evans. Tremendous. Doing a tremendous job, as is Howard Cross. Question from DOB12. Regarding penalties, why is this team not disciplined and how much longer can they go with these terrible mistakes? Uh, they're not, not another week, I don't think. <laughs> Neither one of the next three, four, none of the next four games will allow double-digit penalties, and Notre Dame to win, is my guess. The next time it happens, they will lose. Unless it's Stanford, then they'll win by 30 instead of 40. You know what? They could they could have 10 penalties against Louisville, but Louisville could have 10 penalties also. Great point, <laughs> as opposed to two. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Just, they're, 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 I, I, again, still digging into them, but they're a penalty-prone team as well. I know I circled a couple of their games uh, that I charted as having a tough time there uh, as well. You have pointed out though, and I think you said it on instant analysis. If not, it was prior. Um, it was on instant analysis. These are nine pre-snap penalties lining up offsides, false starts, false starts on punt team. Uh, all the things going wrong. Those are not penalties of aggression. Penalties that you can live with. These are not penalties you can live with right now. And so no matter how hard Marcus Freeman and his staff tried to get his team to look to, put Ohio state in the past, they weren't able to do it again. It's they were not nature, able man. to do it. It's hard to do. Like Notre Dame came on, Notre Dame went on the road and beat a number 17 team after the Ohio state game. Yeah. After the Ohio state game that. And did not play all that great. And they still pulled it out. Right. That is noteworthy that with everything that went wrong, you know, Duke can say, I mean, a lot went wrong for Duke too. They yeah. Well, they missed two field goals that should have kept them. They could have put them in the game. Yeah. So it was a, it was a, it was it was really a, I mean, it wasn't an aesthetic game, but it was a it was a great battle between two teams. It was it was two two hard yeah, I, teams. I think uh, when you look back at the battle itself, it's a it was a game to enjoy. The first half, I walked out of that first half like, oh my gosh, what yeah, is yeah. going on out here? Right this? Yeah. But you know they the games are played to determine a winner. It's not it their their main goal is not to entertain. 
as much no, as no, but I tell you what, I tell, think of it this way, Tim. If Hartman just gets picked off at midfield in that on that last drive, nobody's saying, Yeah, it was a really well good battle out there. It would just be like, Oh, what a stinker! It was, it was good because it had the most exciting ending in several what since 2015 for me, the shocker, the Will Fuller. This is this was a holy cow, like I was up in the box still with two writers. And at one point, one of them said, and I agreed with him, I'm not ripped on him. When Harvin went to run, he's like, you can't run here. He literally said it like you're not supposed to really talk about these things during. But there's nobody else in the press box. It's kind of fun at the end of the game. You should go up there sometime. And there's nobody else up there. You're just like talking about everything you're watching. Um, he's like, you, you can't run. I'm like, oh, my God, he's running in my head. And then he got it. And well, then because in, in whether it's at the forefront of your mind or the back of it, yeah. you're thinking about the two failed fourth down runs. Yes, yes. And then uh, Andre Gasmey breaks away and just like Duke writers, everybody just at the same time was like, oh, my God, (laughs) when Andre Gasmey broke away. So it was just a shocking ending that I think puts a bow on making it fun as opposed to the, uh, you know, root canal that it was for most of that game. Imagine, like you said, if Hartman throws the interception on the last drive. Imagine if that happens and Notre Dame scored one touchdown, didn't score the last 55 minutes, and the touchdown was scored because of a fake punt. Yes. <laughs> well, see, that's why people are upset. Yeah, no, I no. Look, I and by I, the way, he could have been picked off. I didn't randomly say that. I mean, he he could have. Been no, I know. I realize that. That I would have been a nice pick, though, unlike the last week thing. I'm not. I am not saying in any way that it's okay for Jared Parker's offense to score 35 points in two games. It, it's not. And if you here, this was my point. Tail the tape. Blame Jared Parker all you want for his team's lack of execution. Because as the offensive coordinator, that is that's that's part of your responsibility. Whether your players play poorly or not, that's not the point. But his players haven't executed when they've gotten in plus territory, and they need to do that. That's part of his responsibility. That's part of play calling. That's all wrapped up in there. But I think I think that the I think the players have to share an, at least an equal part in this, especially the offensive line. Uh, and those darn receivers, they can't get hurt. You can't get hurt. I know LSU's players need to share some blame because it's coming to them. So Red Rocker 44. I feel after watching Howard Cross's exemplary play this week, the Priester finally hit his jackpot. Congratulations, Tim. There's been no bigger fan of Howard's in the media since he arrived on campus. It was great to see him dominate a game on Saturday. Will Riley Mills eventually hit for Sampson since his top 10 wide receiver ever, Lorenzo Styles, blew up like the Hindenburg? Hopefully people listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know, but I think that he made progress this week. I really do. And I thought, I thought he did. I, I saw more separation off the snap of the foot after the snap of the football from him than, than I've seen. And I, and I think that that's great progress. And they had the good, the nice little scheme where um, Riley Leonard would read the end the end would break down. So he would think he could run, but then Mills would wrap around the end. Uh, and, and so it was a nice little game that they played. It didn't work that well. Once, once Riley Leonard started running, you know, I, it's really, I mean, they, their running backs had five carries for five yards at halftime. And then yeah, I actually was, I actually was about to rip on their game plan a little bit that they weren't running enough. They, they were trying to beat Notre Dame through the air, but I, I mean, they were, they're moving the ball a little bit, but yeah, uh, I thought Riley Mills played pretty well against Ohio state too, in the second half. That's so I, I, did do... too, but I, I mean, I saw more actual separation, mm-hmm. which is, 
I mean, that's the word when you're talking about Riley Mills. That's the word that you use most often. That he doesn't get separation. Right. Well, we'll be rooting for Riley Mills to hit for Samson here because yep. Lorenzo Styles did not. Joey T.Y. or Joe T.Y., can you help me understand the targeting call on Botello? Yeah, the, the targeting call on Botello is frustrating. By the way, the play right before that, Botello just disregarded and and yeah. so you know what I'm talking about oh yeah yep. he just he just disregarded defending the edge and that was a 33 yard run uh by Riley Leonard that one really hurt then came the targeting penalty but the targeting penalty is frustrating because he didn't hit him in the head he didn't hit him in the neck he hit him in the hip but the rule is crown of the helmet it doesn't matter that you rarely see that called you know I mean, you rarely see that call. Well, you could call it a lot is the problem I have. Um, it's remember I was, I was annoyed when Bosa and Kaiser remember Bosa hit Kaiser with his forearm. He hit him in the forearm. I was like, how was that targeting? It's supposed to be the head. It's not the head at your, it was explained to me. And also I've seen it on Twitter from some of our colleagues. It is the intent is also to protect the defender from breaking his neck. So when you dive and use your head like that, you can break your neck. It is the right call. However, people, I think it happens all the time on the football field and people don't see it. That's why that innocuous one is, is a hard call to live with. And it just doesn't feel like you're playing football when that gets called. Cause I think when when it happens, like in a pile of people, you know, I mean, where you have absolutely no else, no other place to make contact with. Right. This was out in the open, and he and he clearly hit him with a crown of the helmet, and he drilled him on the, the hip. And who, uh, who, like who, who was it that he hit? Who was the? Was it wasn't Leonard? Oh, was it was it? Leonard. Yeah, it was, it was Leonard. Leonard. Okay, yeah. so it was Leonard. Well, he felt the impact of it, and I, yeah. you know, you kind of wonder if maybe his reaction to the hit plays into the the call. It's, t- it's a tough rule. Uh, actually, the rule is great. Uh, the the enforcing of the ejections is the problem. Yeah, I guess I know it dissuades it more. Probably, I don't know. Does the death penalty dissuade murder? Does this dissuade people from using their head? We'll never know. Existential moments all the time. We have no idea what's going on here. But I don't, I don't like the punitive. You get kicked out of the first half of the next game. Yeah, because first half of the next game. What does that even mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, why are you being? Why are you punished for the Louisville game? I don't, I, you know, I think a lot of targeting, targeting penalties, I don't know that when they begin the act of tackling that they actually are, I have the idea of hitting with a crown of helmet in their mind. I mean, I J.D. Bertrand hit Kyle McCord with the crown of his helmet on the penultimate play, put his arms behind him and launched his helmet into him and the refs didn't see it. And it's the quarterback. It's the weirdest thing, how this thing gets called. And he would have been suspended for the first half of the Duke game had that happened. Oh, man. By the way, I hate the word penultimate. I'm you gonna explain it anyway. You know why? I know. No, that's fine. The last gonna, play. Okay. No, I want to tell. Yeah, I want to tell you why I hate it. You know why I hate it? Why? Because it sounds like it's the. It should be the last play. Ah, uh, yeah. But it's the second to last one. The Latin thing. And yeah, but I want you. But I. I want you to keep saying it. Okay. Thank you. And I won't. I won't bring up that I hate the word. <laughs> Hayden Adam Z has the coaching staff's opinion of Tobias Merriweather dropped, or was it the previous offensive coordinator that held him in high esteem? Uh, for those listening, the previous offensive coordinator at Notre Dame was Tommy Reese. He moved in the offseason to Alabama. Just to clarify, just to clarify. can you say anybody didn't know that? Uh, look, everybody, no, I, I, I'm here to tell you that the 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 current receivers coach has thought very, very highly of Tobias Merriweather. Everybody has. He was a 
He was a highly rated player coming out of high school, but he's not a highly rated player now. And I mean, this, the, the reality of this, and I don't, I mean, this is just a factual statement. He is not playing like a scholarship college football player right now. Uh, he is, if he were Salerno, we would have to point out why he plays. It's because he's blocking well. So I do, th- I do think right. he's, blo- he's definitely blocking well. He's blocking well. But if his name were Matt Salerno, it would be, how come they can't get that guy off the field? Right. And we'd why say, well, because he's keep- blocking really well on their running team, and that's why he's on there. But, boy, it there's a yips or there's something involved. Even he's the, not, he's not a confident he's not a confident football right. player. I'm all about <laughs> I'm all about reading eyes and body language of athletes. I did it as a coach. It was a it was a very very good indicator. His reaction, I said this in tail tape. People will probably object to it, but I'm saying it from experience and making judgments like this. His reaction to that miss over the middle was complete indifference. It was indifferent. It was like the ball. Or he sh- he like showed indifference. It doesn't mean he was indifferent. He showed, no, indifference, he showed like, indifference. Yes. I'm not, I can't get inside his head exactly, but he showed indifference. It was as if the play happened to somebody else other than him, which means his mind is not right when it comes to playing this very, very difficult tough game. I mean, it's, it's, he's not right. He's not, He's not in the right frame of mind. I don't know how you get him there. Well, he's going to have to be because no matter what, if Thomas and Greathouse both come back this week, he was still playing ahead of more snaps than everybody on the team. He was playing more snaps than all the receivers in the aggregate. Jaden Thomas was way ahead because of the first couple games, but he played more snaps than Jaden Thomas did before injury against Ohio State. Now, maybe Thomas was hurt. That could be part of it. But wide receivers with hamstring injuries, Tim, they don't all of a sudden stay healthy for seven weeks. Hamstring injuries stink, um, and you just never know. You never, you think, okay, I'm ready. To, I'm I'm ready to cut it loose, and then you find out you don't find out you're not ready to cut it loose until so you you're in that moment, right? Yeah, the hamstring injuries are not are not fun. Um, I look, I'm hoping like crazy for Tobias Merriweather's sake that 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 he gets locked in, but he's not locked in now, and I don't I. It's he not probably a, better I'll, in November than he was in September, but they surely need him to be good in October. That's the best way of, for me to little positive spin on Tobias Merriweather. I bet he, I bet he will come around during the season, but they have two pretty important things coming up for the points. Did you notice we weren't together when this happened? You were upstairs. I was downstairs, but when they called the off, offensive pass interference on him, the scoreboards skipped it down. They went to second yeah. and six. The press box knew, but uh, oh. they went back to it. Yeah. Right. Yep. Right. And I'm like, that's not right. But they continue to go with it and they finally corrected it. But can you imagine what could have gone wrong with that not being corrected right away? It could have been a fifth down, fifth down situation. People would have loved the ACC refs then. Notre Dame fans took away the down. Yeah. Question from need a turnover. Should the Indiana Senate pass a law requiring at least Five Jeremiah Love touches per game. I'm at the point. I think that Jeremiah Love needs more than five. Jeremiah Love needs more than five. Well, when we said this isn't an Audric estimate kind of game during the game, yeah. What we meant was get Jeremiah Love <laughs> get in the Jeremiah game. Jeremiah Love the ball. Where's the love, man? No, he I agree. <laughs> he needs the ball. Jeremiah Love needs the ball more. The end. I think fire I, somebody, fire someone until he gets the ball, right? Just fire a couple coaches. And then get him the ball. The new guy will give him the ball. It'll be easy. 
No, just just improve, just improve. Oh, and, okay. and look, and if, Jer- if Jadarian Price is on a pitch count, I, I <laughs> they had I mean, him throw a left-handed last game because well, I think I think they need to reach the pitch count. <laughs> yes, I don't, I don't think whatever count. it is, I, I think they're they're undercutting it a little bit. <laughs> they wouldn't let him use his arm. <laughs> they on the pitch count in this last one. He said, "Yeah, sit down, stay over there." You know, isn't it funny though? Because the complaint after the Ohio State game was why. Isn't Audrey estimate getting more touches? And then well, seven days later, it's why he's getting too many. Yeah, touches. but I think the complaint for estimate was he he could have run he you needed him to run the clock out, not I understand. Uh, not the fancy no. fake handoff play. No, but, I yeah. no, I understand that. I understand that. All right. Our last question is from Ginger Dad, and it is this my wife and I will be celebrating our anniversary this weekend and have dinner reservations at kickoff Saturday night. Can you tell me something about the Louisville matchup? That will make the make me not be stressed out about this game. I'm going to steal Tim Priesters from dinner or drinks or whatever it was Friday night in Raleigh. Jack Plummer is going to throw no rain the ball. <laughs> Jack Plummer stinks. <laughs> so hey, so Jack Freeman and people listening to this at one point, Priester. People don't know this, but Priester pregame uses a couple hours there after incident analysis to scout. The previous opponent with no, the next opponent. Then, I mean, I'm sorry. The next, yeah. Otherwise, it'd be weird. Scout the next opponent. So, like for this game, he was looking at Louisville, uh, but he has headphones in, and we're all just sitting there. And all of a sudden, Priestry just says what he said there about Jack Plummer, just audibly, right out loud. And everybody looks over at him like, "What was that game last night? What? Did, what's going on right here?" No one had any idea what he like said. Out of the blue, I'm saying Plummer out of the blue. Stinks. So then, like a couple minutes later, someone's like. I had no idea where you're watching Louisville. It seems so strange. You just yelled at about Jack Plummer at that point. <laughs> he was just um, all of a sudden just all over the guy. Yeah, I just this this just became uh Louisville uh yes uh, Bolton board material Bolton for Jack Plummer. Material, yeah. Yes, there that 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 old phrase doesn't really exist anymore. But no, I mean he's a, in and uh, Marcus Freeman was going on and on about how experienced he is and he he's seen everything and uh, I've seen everything with the interception he threw in the end zone the other day. That's what I, I've seen everything too from Jack Jack Plummer. I look, Jack Plummer should not beat Notre Dame. He almost uh, did last year, though. But one thing, one thing, uh, Ginger Dad, number nine Gelati, their defensive end, beware of 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 what you hear about him after the wedding because he doesn't want to be stressed. <laughs> no, I know, but yeah, I just. I just trying to balance it out, feel good about Jack Plummer against Notre Dame's defense, because I think that they will, I think they will cause him real problems, uh, but feel bad, feel, feel worried about Gelati. And, and they do look, they do have, they've got skill position guys, especially Jamari Thrash, their wide receiver that came from Georgia state. He's spectacular. I have a, a, a theory for ginger dad though. Kickoff is seven thirty. Three words, early bird special. That's both, it. Best of both worlds. Yep. Anniversary celebration kickoff. I don't think, I don't think ginger dad is going to have the luxury of I, no, no, just take, you don't have that. to take my advice. It's fine. I don't. We appreciate everybody joining us today for the rest of uh, the rest of our story. Go to irisillustrated.com. It's, it's more than just our podcast and our instant analysis and those things that, that come out there free to everybody. Uh, we'd appreciate if you uh, at the very least give irisillustrated.com a chance, give it a look. Until Thursday, when we talk a whole lot more about Louisville and a whole lot less about Nordane versus Duke, I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley, and this has been Irish Illustrated Insider. <laughs>